Chapter 4 of My Reminiscences by Rabindranath Tagore. This LibriVox recording is in the public domain. Chapter 4 Servocracy. In the history of India, the regime of the slave dynasty was not a happy one. In going back to the reign of the servants in my own life's history, I can find nothing glorious or cheerful touching the period. There were frequent changes of king, but never a variation in the code of restraints and punishments with which we were afflicted. We, however, had no opportunity at the time for philosophizing on the subject. Our backs bore as best they could the blows which befell them, and we accepted as one of the laws of the universe that it is for the big to hurt and for the small to be hurt. It has taken me a long time to learn the opposite truth, that it is the big who suffer, and the small who cause suffering. The quarry does not view virtue and vice from standpoint of the hunter. That is why the alert bird, whose cry warns its fellows before the shot has sped, gets abused as vicious. We howled when we were beaten whichever chastisers did not consider good manners it was in fact counted sedition against the servocracy i cannot forget how in order effectively to suppress such sedition our heads used to be crammed into huge water jars then in use distasteful doubtless was this outcry to those who caused it moreover it was likely to have unpleasant consequences i now sometimes wonder why such cruel treatment was meted out to us by the servants i cannot admit that there was on the whole anything in our behaviour or demeanour to have put us beyond the pale of human kindness the real reason must have been that the whole of our burden was thrown on the servants and the whole burden is a thing difficult to bear even for those who are nearest and dearest if children were allowed to be children to run and play about and satisfy their curiosity it becomes quite simple insoluble problems are only created if you try to confine them inside keep them still or hamper their play then does the burden of the child so lightly borne by its own childishness fall heavily on the guardian like that of the horse in the fable which was carried instead of being allowed to trot on its own legs and though money procured bearers even for such a burden it could not prevent them taking it out of the unlucky beast at every step of the most of these tyrants of our childhood i remember only their cuffings and boxings and nothing more only one personality stands out in my memory his name was ishwar he had been a village schoolmaster before he was a prim proper and sedately dignified personage the earth seemed too earthy to him with too little water to keep it sufficiently clean so that he had to be in constant state of warfare with its chronic soiled state he would shoot his water-pot into the tank with a lightning movement so as to get its supply from an uncontaminated depth it was he who when bathing in the tank 
would be continually thrusting away the surface impurities till he took a sudden plunge expecting as it were to catch the water unawares when walking his right arm stood out at an angle from his body as if so it seemed to us he could not trust the cleanliness even of his own garments his whole bearing had the appearance of an effort to keep clear of the imperfections which through unguarded avenues find entrance into earth water and air and into the ways of men unfathomable was the depth of his gravity with head slightly tilted he would mince his carefully selected words in a deep voice his literary diction would give foot for merriment to our elders behind his back some of his high-flown phrases finding a permanent place in our family repertoire of witticisms but i doubt whether the expressions he used would sound as remarkable today showing how the literary and spoken languages which used to be a sky from earth asunder are now coming nearer each other the erstwhile schoolmaster had discovered a way of keeping us quiet in the evenings every evening he would gather us round the cracked castor oil lamp and read out to us stories from the ramayana and mahabharata some of the other servants would also come and join the audience the lamp would be throwing huge shadows right up to the beams of the roof the little house lizards catching insects on the walls the bats doing mad devilish dance round and round the verandas outside and we listening in silent open-mouthed wonder i still remember on the evening we came to the story of kusha and lava and those two valiant lads were threatening to humble to the dust the renown of their father and uncles how the tense silence of the dimly lighted room was bursting with eager anticipation it was getting late our prescribed period of wakefulness was drawing to a close and yet the denouement was far off at this critical juncture my father's old follower kishori came to the rescue and finished the episode for us at express speed to the quick step of the surayas jingling verses the impression of the soft slow chant of kritivasas footnote there are innumerable renderings of the ramayana in the indian languages End of footnote. fourteen syllable measure was swept clean away and we were left overwhelmed by a flood of rhymes and alliterations on some occasions these readings would give rise to shastric discussions which would at length be settled by the depth of ishwa's wise pronouncements though as one of the children's servants his rank in our domestic society was below that of many yet as with old grandfather bhishma in mahabharata his supremacy would assert itself from its seat below his juniors our grave and reverend survivor had one weakness to which for the sake of historical accuracy i feel bound to allude he used to take opium this created a craving for rich food so that when he brought us our morning goblets of milk the forces of attraction in his mind would be greater than those of repulsion if we gave the least expression 
to our natural repugnance for this meal no sense of responsibility for our health could prompt him to press it on us a second time Ishwar also held somewhat narrow views as to our capacity of solid nourishment we would sit down to our evening repast and a quantity of luchis footnote a kind of crisp unsweetened pancake taken like bread along with other courses end of footnote heaped on a thick round wooden tray would be placed before us he would begin by gingerly dropping a few on each platter from a sufficient height to safeguard himself from contamination footnote food while being eaten and utensils or anything else touched by the hand engaged in conveying food to the mouth are considered ceremonially unclean end of footnote like unwilling favors wrested from the gods by dint of importunity did they descend so dexterously inhospitable was he next would come the inquiry whether he should give us any more i knew the reply which would be most gratifying and could not bring myself to deprive him by asking for another help then again ishwar was entrusted with daily allowance of money for procuring our afternoon light refreshment he would ask us every morning what we should like to have we knew that to mention the cheapest would be accounted best so sometimes we ordered a light refection of puffed rice and at others an indigestible one of boiled gram or roasted groundnuts it was evident that ishwar was not as painstakingly punctilious in regard to our diet as with shastric proprieties end of chapter 4 read by lambda